0: Hi and welcome to the Uevolve Buffalo podcast. I'm Jeff Detellis with Julian Foyt and today we're going to discuss BMI and body fat percentage. What do those numbers mean? Are they even useful? Um, And how we can manipulate those numbers to our advantage. So we have just launched a six week program at Uevolve Buffalo called our Lean program uh, it stands for lifestyle, exercise, and nutrition. And as part of the program, we offered um, to our clients to take uh, body weight measurements, um, their scale weight, their BMI, and their body fat percentage. Of course, all the, all those are optional as part of the program. Um, some people don't necessarily are, are are not necessarily concerned with their body weight, body fat percentage, and and whatnot as part of the program. But I would say most of them are. A lot of people are looking to uh, not only improve their health, change their lifestyle, but looking to change their body composition. And a great way to calculate some of those changes are through some metrics and uh, three very good metrics. I think very good metrics would be your regular body weight scale, your body fat percentage and BMI. I know not everybody is a fan of, tracking that data. But I think you can do it very smartly and you can really use those numbers as measurements to if you are moving in the right direction, both nutritionally with your exercise and a healthy lifestyle. If those numbers are not moving um, in the direction that you like over trending over time, that is usually a pretty good indicator that maybe it's time to change what you're doing Try to make some improvements in one of those three aspects of either lifestyle, exercise, nutrition, or a combination of all three.
1: Yeah. So, actually, the one thing you forgot about too is we do before pictures. And I think that that is probably something aside from those numbers. I think that that's important as well because, um, you know, the, I think that the body fat percentage and the BMI personally, I think, have a little bit more bearing than just a scale. Um, for. you were i think it's useful to have more than the one tool and then i also think that by adding on that um additional tool of having the pictures because sometimes the side by sides can speak volumes
0: i think it's also a good idea that people uh at least have the information available to them Mm -hmm. of where they stand on different metrics besides just you know the scale per se for sure having some other markers can be very useful As to maybe where they would stack up in a general population Um, there is there has been I think in the fitness industry recently trends that are pushing toward getting away from using metrics and data to to
1: um, I don't even know if it's getting away from some of them are damning
0: um. Yeah. Yeah. So that is obviously getting away from. Yeah. Um. You know. You see. And this has been going on for years, right? With you know no judgment zones and um, Planet Fitness was a real big. You know, one of the first ones that really branded it. You know, branded their their gym as a place where, you know, they have snacks and pizzas and bagels and things that would be like traditionally um, not in a.
1: Health food, category. health food
0: category, weight loss diet. And of course, just because you go to a gym does not mean that you're concerned with losing weight or even being healthy for that matter. It, they, it There's no direct correlation. Everybody has their own reasons for doing what they do. So I don't have any problem with a business, you know, having a business model that's different than ours. I mean, that's, that's perfectly fine. I mean, if you want to, you know, give away candy suckers, it you know, you, you do, you, you do your thing. Um, but in the business that we are in, we are focusing on health, um, and nutrition and nutrition. And part of that is through, you know, lifestyle exercise and Mm -hmm. nutrition. They all go, they all go hand in hand. So I think the first thing that we need to discuss is what is we, let's start with the BMI because that might be, um, the, the numbers that people have the least amount of understanding about. Sure. What, what exactly uh, is the BMI number? How is it calculated? What does it mean? So the BMI stands for Body Mass Index. And the way you calculate it, there's several ways you can do it. The, the most popular way is you take a person's weight in kilograms and divide it by the square height, their square height, in meters. And there's a lot of calculators that you can find online that are going to do that for you so you don't have to figure out the math. And most of them will have conversions to pounds and inches so you don't if you're not familiar with the metric system. So when I was doing just, you know, a little bit of reading around online about body mass index, I happened to be on the NIH government site and I found a massive um, mistake on their website where on the NIH.gov it says body mass index is a measure of body fat based on height and weight that applies um, to a, adult men and women. And that is simply, that's not true. That's an absolute error. Your body mass index is not your body fat percentage. It's not a body fat number. No. As it, it, that's They're, why there's a
1: body fat percentage yes
0: so this is on a, the NIH government website massive error um, which you know we'll just we'll, we'll let it go because I can go you up have, on a tangent I was gonna
1: say we're we gonna do this yeah I can <laughs> go on a
0: complete tangent on the you know NIH and some of these government websites and how they consistently get things wrong um, and there's absolutely no repercussions for their misinformation but the body mass index is, like we already said, how to calculate it. And all it's doing is giving you a number basically based on height and weight. right? And the reason why they use this this is because it's very inexpensive and easy for doctors to figure out when they're doing health and weight screenings. It's just a simple calculation. You don't need any equipment. But there is no correlation between your body mass index number and either your body fat percentage or even your health.
1: Yeah.
0: There's there one has I shouldn't say there's no correlation, that's a mistake. One does not one is not indicative of the other. There is, however, strong correlation. But correlation does not mean causation. So just because you have a high BMI and there's generally been found strong correlation with a high BM, BMI number to things like obesity, diabetes, um, heart disease, cancer, so on and so forth. That doesn't mean that it's so. Yeah. That's just correlation.
1: Well, and it doesn't take into consideration, like you said, the body fat, your actual body fat, um, or your like your body composition as a whole in general. And um, you know, even when I go to my own doctor, I fall, I mean, I fall on a scale because of my height and where my weight is. I fall into where I am, I am overweight. And even my doctor is like, I obviously know that this is not true. These are just the numbers that they show. He goes, you know, it gives people an idea. He goes, but I can tell by looking at you. I can tell by your activity level. I can tell you by your musculature. He goes, that is not where it falls. And I actually do have, know, what my own body fat percentage is. Too. So I, I can say for my own instance, I mean, I fall into what is it? Athlete, fitness, the categories that they have acceptable, um, acceptable and, obese. and obese. And I fall into, not the athlete, but I fall into like the fitness category, which I see that you actually have that too. So we can get into that. But it's interesting that my BMI is considered high and my body fat percentage, I'm considered um, right in the fitness category.
0: Well, so again, the the BMI, so if you had an athletes and people that with heavy musculature that do a lot of resistance training, sure. you're going to be increasing your overall body weight. But that doesn't mean that that body weight is, is increased fat. through fat. Sure. So that is going to increase your BMI number.
1: Right. And I think that that's something, too, that a lot of people I don't think are aware of. And that's where I think that that charts can really get skewed because if that alone is is the only tool – Mechanism that are people are that are using, um, it can almost be frustrating.
0: It can be frustrating, but I would go. I tend to lean. I would lean for general population that it's not a bad chart. For general it's,
1: pop, no. For general population, you know, it has its
0: purpose. So if 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 you were to measure, if your BMI was to measure high and land you into. So there's an, there's an underweight category, there is a healthy weight, an overweight, and obese. That's how they break up the BMI chart, yeah. okay? So there's four categories. And if you were to be in either the underweight, overweight, or obese, you know anything but the healthy weight category, then you would want to, if you were a health practitioner, you would want to diagnose a little bit further. Right. And what you would end up doing is possibly a skinfold test, which is checking your body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. Like Joe already explained, if you if you are more athletic and you carry more muscle mass, and then you go to a body fat percentage, you're like, okay, your body fat percentage falls into healthier ranges. That explains why your BMI is it's higher, right? right? Yep. Uh, you're also going to want to you'd want to assess the person's diet, as you already mentioned, physical activity family history and i would even say lifestyle and of course we're a little biased because the program that we run lifestyle exercise and nutrition but think about it lifestyle encompassing things like smoking drinking drugs any medications you would take your sleep habits maybe even the type of work that what you do your job your sure. job you know so there's all those lifestyle factors you sleep, would want did you say that? i did say sleep yeah so there's all those things that you know, you would want to dig in further what might be influencing this high BMI number. I would also say that you would want to, you can take those numbers, not live and die by them, do not get frustrated by them if it's telling you that it's obese. And um, myself, earlier in the year when my, my body weight was uh, higher, I fell into the overweight category. But it never it never concerned me. You know i never felt like you know i was teetering on the edge of being an unhealthy person but i would agree that at a lower body weight that i do look feel and perform better sure and i don't need to be in that you know overweight bmi class and i should be in that healthier weight especially as as you age there's less and less you want to be carrying around that extra weight. As far as kids and teens, they actually have a different BMI chart to follow. Oh,
1: right,
0: so, as so you, they should, right? As they should, because they're still growing, um, and there's their bodies are going to be carrying you know weight in different ratios of muscle and fat, especially the difference between girls and boys as they're growing. So they do use a different chart. I, We're not going to get into that because it really doesn't apply to uh, our target audience right now. But they also do have a chart for people 65 years and older. It is a little different. It doesn't vary that much. And there are are also female charts that kind of skew it a little more um, toward uh, a, a little higher BMI is a little more acceptable because they take into consideration that women in general carry more body fat by design because of hormones and childbearing and, and, yeah, all all that stuff. But the general BMI, your basic BMI chart, I think is pretty solid, but you do have to take all those things in. There's a lot of factors that have to be taken into consideration. But if you have a very high BMI number, one that you're not happy with, I would say work toward – you don't have to just try to crash down from being in a – having a BMI of, say, 35 and, like, oh, my God, I have to get down to, you know, 20. Just take it one number at a time, systematically. If you get yourself healthy, get yourself active, make all those improvements to your, you know, your diet and start doing all the things that we recommend in our, you know, lifestyle exercise and program um, training, then the BMI will start to take care of itself.
1: Yeah, if you start, and we've said this so many times, I think, you know, these these are tools, the BMI, the body fat percentage, the scale, but when it comes down to it, if you start making the changes and you start making better, you know, healthier food choices, and you start, you know, maybe lifting some weights or going for walks or riding your bike or, you know, even running around playing on the playground, getting some kind of physical activity and doing the lifestyle changes, the... the The changes within those numbers, those are going to be a byproduct as a a result of all of those other things. So if you can focus, then on the healthy changes, those numbers are going to just unless you have a health condition. I don't. I want to make sure that I'm that I'm. They're they're very. There could be, especially as females, if you're on birth control pills that you know with your hormones. But on a normal, we'll say for an average person that doesn't have the maybe other factors just to generalize, you will see a, a change within the numbers of all of those three tools.
0: So currently, well not currently, this is from 2007 to 2018. I believe these are the most current numbers that we have. 42.4% of the people in the United States are considered obese. That is a very, very high number. And that is up from 1999 to the year 2000. So 18 year gap, it was 30 and a half percent and it's now 42.4. So approximately 12 and a half percent higher in the last, in that 18 year period. That is a very alarming number. And as far as people with severe obesity in that same time period, those numbers increased from 4.7% to 9.2%. They doubled
1: want to hear something else alarming sure i don't know if you know this but there are statistics because of those numbers that show that children who were born after i think it was 2008 are not likely due to the obesity epidemic or um, epidemic that they're not likely to outlive
0: the, the, their, their, parents, owners, their, parents. their parents yeah the generation before yes i was aware of that yeah isn't
1: it i mean that's It's scary.
0: It's scary, and especially with all the nutrition, uh, the uh, the medical procedures and protocols and medications and everything that at our disposal, you can't. It's not going to outdo.
1: No, it's not. You know the food,
0: the 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 diet and exercise and lifestyle. Yeah. So obesity-related conditions, we already kind of mentioned heart disease, stroke, type two diabetes, certain cancers, and these are among the leading causes of preventable. And premature deaths, so that's important to know. Preventable and premature, like you already mentioned, premature dying before the average life expectancy of of your peers, but preventable should give everybody, you know, hope and optimism that okay, I can change this. I, I'm not damned to be on this path. I can, if I do make certain changes, it's all in my hands. I have control over this. I can do it. You should feel empowered. Um, in 2000, this is from 2008. Again, this is uh, some of the more recent uh, stats I can find. The medical costs of obesity are, were 147 billion dollars a year, and somebody that falls into the obesity category, as opposed to the healthy weight category, spends approximately 1,400 more dollars a year in medical costs. So, you know that's
1: interesting especially when people talk about how healthy or how expensive it is to make healthier food choices or even you know the, the gym membership whatever it is i mean for what did you say almost 1400 a year
0: over 1400 and that's back in 2008 so as these numbers increase i'm sure that amount is getting higher oh, yeah. and even the overall medical costs so it's, it puts a strain on the entire medical system mm-hmm. you know which is a whole nother discussion, which just
1: for say. another day. Yeah, all
0: right. <laughs> uh, and also, there are higher rates of obesity in both minorities and people in lower socioeconomic categories. Mm-hmm. So, and again, that's a completely another discussion for another day, but interesting information nonetheless. So I'm gonna throw some numbers out. I'm gonna use some, some data from myself over the last six weeks. These are real numbers. These are my personal numbers over the last six weeks. So six weeks ago, my body weight was 181.9 pounds. Say 182 pounds. And this morning, my weight was 167.8 pounds. So that's a difference of 14.1 pounds in the last six weeks. I'm not trying to be a one upper. Oh, I was just going to say, <laughs>
1: I was just so proud of myself. I was just telling him that I um, am down since July down ten pounds.
0: So, but I, I consciously did this. I wanted to make a cut because I knew, and I knew we were starting this program coming up. And I know, I know myself. I, there's no reason why my body weight should be in the one eighties. That's much too high for for me. My frame, my height, my age, and my lifestyle. It's it's too much. And it definitely even the seventies is is too much for me. I can be very comfortable in the 160s but my goal for next year is I need to be in the 150s permanently that's going to be very hard for me to do and that's going to take time to get into that so that's like 8 9 more pounds lower than I am now and if it'll take that'll take time if I can get there it's no rush that's like should be like a one year goal you know, to get to out get of the sixty, to it. get there and sustain it, and you don't yeah. have to, to kill yourself. But if I can do 14 pounds in six weeks, and I lowered my body fat percentage from 23.4 to 21 even, so I dropped 2.4 percentage points off my body fat, and I lowered my BMI from 31.2 to 28.7. Now, that 28.7 puts me at my height in the overweight category
1: i know it's what i'm saying it's crazy isn't it
0: but now think about this i have been lifting weights for actually i started lifting weight i'm 48 years old i first started when i was about 13 12 even 12 even less less than that but consistently the last 20 years you know through my teenage years and my 20s i was not consistent at all but from about the early 2000s i very consistent. I mean, you can set a clock to my training. So I would say it's not a stretch at all to say in the last 20 years that I have put on 20 pounds of muscle. If that's an average of one pound a year for a male that trains as hard and consistently as I do, very feasible. If I did not do any resistance training, I would be a runt, like a complete runt. You know, I'm five foot four. I would be have a very, very small frame. And that would put me that would they according to the BMI chart, it would want me at about 140, 145 pounds. But now think about it. If I didn't add any of that muscle over a 20-year period, right. subtract that, and I'm saying I think 20, 20 is very safe to say, you know, that. That's been accomplished over that period of time. That's not unrealistic at all. I mean, you know, what some people claim, you know, do it 20 pounds in a year, crazy stuff. Mm. But this is all natural, you know, no steroids, no performance enhancers. That would bring me down to about 148 pounds. And that would be my healthy weight. And that, to me, that makes sense, right? If I didn't have the extra mass that was. Accrued over time, then I would land in that healthy weight. Now, would I want? I no, I wouldn't want to be walking around at that body weight. I would feel like a, you know,
1: we would be sharing clothes. We would be sharing <laughs> clothes.
0: But I'm. I only bring that up to to quite, to say that the numbers are reasonable. I think the numbers are reasonable. They seem like completely unreasonable, but if you stop, you think about. You know, put things into context. I don't think they're unreasonable. They can be daunting, you know, to look at, especially if you're, you know, on the real far side of, of, you know, showing up on the B side of either the BMI chart or your body fat percentage is really high. But I also want to, for some context, Jill mentioned that the body fat percentage ranges. So I just said that mine, as of this morning, Was 21% so people always ask what should my body fat percentage be right so an acceptable range and again according to who but I I tend to agree with this so an acceptable range for men would be 18 to 25% which puts me you know right smack dab in the middle and I would agree with that That, that's acceptable 14 to 17% for men would be considered a fitness level Now, so I thought okay if I for me to get to 17%, how much weight would I have to lose? And the answer is 6.72 pounds. So the way I figured that out is I took my current body weight 168. I I have so I'm 21% to get to 17%. I have to lose 4% body fat. So I multiplied my weight 168 times 0.04. And that gave me the number of 6.72. So it's 6.72 pounds. So I subtract the 6.72 pounds from the 168, and that would put me up 161 and a quarter pounds. So I think if I lost six, seven pounds, get my, my body fat down to 17%, heck yeah, that would be I would be very lean. You know, full, you know, I got like four abs now, and I would definitely be having six pack abs. At that point, that would be a very, for for me, you know, lean. Yeah. I don't normally walk around that way. Now, picture if I wanted to get down to six to thirteen percent,
1: yeah, that's like bodybuilding like, almost. Yeah, that's twelve percent. S-
0: straight up athletes. I I competed at about 10 percent. Yeah. So I would have to take my current twenty one percent body fat and chop that in half. That would get me at 21 divided by 2 is 10.5%. So we already established that my body fat, so I would take 168 pounds times 0.21, which is 35 and a quarter pounds of body fat. That's what I'm carrying now at 168 pounds. So I'd have to chop that number in half. I would take the 35, chop it in a half to 17 and a half pounds. And if I lost 17 and a half pounds, that would get me to 150 pounds. If I was 150 pounds, 150, that's getting me down to 10%. Like you said, that for a natural athlete, that's bodybuilding, show ready. Yeah. I'm knocking people's lights out at that weight, at 150 pounds. Yeah. Especially for a 48-year-old man. Did you
1: compete? What did you compete at the last one? Were you at 149? No, you?
0: I was one the lowest I competed at was 153, but you also have to remember that was 10 years ago. So
1: was 10 years ago yeah
0: that was uh, nine Nine. nine years ago so if you know I'm just trying to put some perspective into what these numbers mean so I tend to agree that yes for men six to 13 percent is athletes 14 to 17 percent body fat fitness however you want to deem that 18 to 25 percent is acceptable and 26 percent and higher, would be considered obese. And you would make that a goal to get your body fat percentage below the 26. Now, those same categories for women, 14 to 20% athletes, 21 to 24% body fat fitness, 25 to 31% acceptable, and 32% or higher would be considered obese. Again, make it a goal to, as you're improving your lifestyle and, and trying to make those health marker improvements, if you can lower that number, get into those acceptable ranges, I guarantee, you know, some people, it's hard to do. It's it's not easy. It takes day in and day out work for most people. I know it does for me. Right. I can't, I can't, you know, slip it all. And then the weight, the weight just comes right back on. I have to be consistent. I have to watch what I eat. I can't, drink and eat and eat junk food. If I do, I mean, that's how I was at 181 pounds. And finally, it's like, all right, enough enough. of Yeah, <laughs> stop, you know, yeah. scooping into the peanut butter jar. It happens that- I tried to hide it. That fast, there's no hiding it. <laughs> but So I think these numbers are not perfect by any means, but sound. I think they're sound and as tough as they might seem for some people to attain, I assure you that they are attainable.
1: Oh, we've seen it happen.
0: Oh, of course. And I am I am convinced that if you can even start moving yourself toward those numbers, those improvements, I should say, again, what are our markers? Look, feel, performance. Those things are gonna start to improve. And don't dismiss the importance of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think um you know, when you, especially if you fall into that, that category of obesity, um, it can be, you I mean, daunting, but you either have a choice then you either sit there and, and wait out, wait out the potential of what could happen as a, from a health standpoint, or you got to stand up and do something. Yeah. I mean, and, and it doesn't have to be everything all at once. I just, you know. Put out a video within our lean program. It doesn't have to be everything all at once. You don't have to do everything, but you have to do something. Yes, you have to start somewhere. You have to start making some kind of changes, and the, ideally, you want to become proactive.